There would be no Air Nation without Avatar Korra. She opened the portals and somehow the world began anew for us. And she was even willing to lay down her own life in order to protect ours. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lucky Dog Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com, photo, video, digital media. The Legend of Korra Season 4, Balance, is the fourth and final season of the animated series Legend of Korra by Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Canescillo. It consists of 13 episodes, all animated by Studio Mir. The episodes were made available on Nickelodeon's website and other outlets each Friday uh, beginning October 3rd, 2014. I'd say even six years after all of this has already been produced, uh, still an amazing show. It premiered uh, on Nicktoons uh, the end of November the 28th of 2014. Um, Generally, it would say that the uh, critical reception was... Overall, pretty positive. Book four is set three years after the previous season. It deals with Avatar Korra's journey of self-discovery following the physical and psychological injuries she incurred with the fight of Zaheer. And with the unrest in the Earth Kingdom, where Kuvira, formerly a security officer in Su Yin's Beifong's service, seeks to seize power by military force. The season is then followed up by graphic uh, novel trilogy Turf Wars that picks up immediately after the series finale. I'm going to say straight up up front that I have finished this series uh, about two months ago, so my detailed knowledge of this uh, fourth season is going to be a little bit more vague than usual. I'm going to kind of refer to more of the the Wikipedia notes and what other podcasts have referred to. Um, I will link some better reviews for uh, this season four in the description, mostly because I feel like they've done uh, a little bit better of a job. They were a little bit more um, in depth uh, about what they were talking about with regards of, you know, like a scene by scene breakdown for this season. I'm not going to do to that extent. I'll I'll say overall, I enjoyed the hell out of this uh, this season and series. I'd say it's a very strong season. It's not nearly as strong as the fourth, sorry, as the uh, third season, but I will say it's just right up there with the fourth. And uh, sorry, the the fourth is just right up there with the third. I would say that third is the third season is my favorite. However, the fourth feels like a very uh, solid like prologue that would happen um, towards the er, sorry epilogue at the end of the. Uh, of the series, I, I did enjoy it. Um, so yeah, when we're talking about in the first episode, we're introduced to all of the characters again. It's very much you know the the reuniting. Um, this is kind of have a little spoilers in it. It's uh, chapter one after all these years, three years after the defeat of Zaheer, the Vain Prince uh, Wu is about to be crowned Earth King, and Mako is assigned to be his bodyguard. Everyone is very much 
grown up. You can see from the animation style down to how the way people are acting to the way they look. You can just tell it all in this first episode. Uh, Opal and Kai try to protect the community from the bandits with limited success. Um, it's kind of like, you know, sh passing on the torch to these younger people that are going to be protecting um, the world. Um, the thing about what's really strong about this fourth season is that it's bringing back all of these characters that we've seen over the past couple seasons and really fleshing them out, even characters such as Julie, uh, Julie and uh, um, Varric, um, all the way down to the Bayfongs and um, this the entire Bayfong family. It's just uh, it's really exciting and fun to watch. Um, it's very much showing how Cora is dealing with the psychological um, and physical effects of what Zaheer has done to her. Um, and I felt like I could really relate to this story with Cora, mostly because I was in a car wreck this year and I felt like my body was kind of in the same state as what hers is at the beginning of this. I wasn't sure if she was going to be in a wheelchair, whatnot, wheelchair bound the entire time. I was going to be surprised if she was, but she did have some sort of physical therapy that was happening. And it actually encouraged me to go to physical therapy because I was kind of resistant to go into the uh, physical therapy to pay for, you know, something I, I wasn't sure if it was going to work or not. But I honestly... Um, I'm really glad I went to physical therapy and I'm uh, I felt like a little bit of what I saw in Cora kind of encouraged me to go to the doctor to, uh, to help me feel better. And I, you know, it's uh, it, it's quite something to see an animation supposed that is generally geared toward young people have to go through uh, like real physical therapy. It's uh, it shows the representation of you are not invincible which is something I think kids don't exactly understand until a certain age. I feel like I felt, you know, quote unquote, invincible till about 23. And then my body starts shutting down. <laughs> it's like, oh, my goodness. Um, so, yes. Uh, continuing on, I'm just going to kind of hop around. Uh, chapter three at Wu's coronation in Republic City. Wu gets no fucking respect throughout this whole thing. Kuvira refuses to yield power to him, instead announcing that she will consolidate the territories under the control of, into a new Earth Empire. She's trying to bring everyone together using kind of force, but it's it's the wrong way to do it. It's kind of uh, Napoleon-esque in a way that you are doing it. It's like, you know, I'll provide all the food, but you got to bow down to me kind of thing. Um. This creates a rift between her and the other world leaders, including Su Yin, as well as between Bolin and Mako. I will say, how could you have Bolin be this naive, thinking that we're they're sending people to camps and stuff like that, and it's okay? That that this is one thing is you have to believe that they've been going around all these Earth cities and Earth towns and all these other places and saying, you know, we'll help you, but if you don't listen to us, we're going to send you to some like reconcentration camp, you know, some straight up Holocaust shit to get you uh, uh, reconfigured to want to live in this type of society again. She's not giving people that big of a, that many options, to be honest. Um, so yeah. T uh, meanwhile, in the Bayan, Ban, Banyan Swamp, Toph agrees to help Korra regain her strength through the methodology uh, largely consists of brow beating 
Korra and beating her up with still formidable earthbending. She finds residual metal poisoned inside Korra but can't remove it. Korra subconsciously resists scarred by her previous traumas. This is like a PTSD subplot. Um, meanwhile, Tenzin sends Janora, Iki, and Milo to search for Korra and Varric experiments on spirit vines for Kruvira. So I'm going to kind of push forward all the way to the end of this season because I, I did want to just talk about, you know, how Toph and um, how uh, this is kind of set up. It's very much uh, the psychologically traumatized uh, Korra is trying to, um, you know, fight her inner demons. And literally she's seeing like a, a piece of herself and other, you know, the enemies. And so she's trying to fight that uh, that darkness away and so um we we get the sides of uh, Korra her recovery and then we see why you know uh, Kuvira is influenced to try to step in and so we're going to kind of hop on to the very last ep episode I'm sorry I'm not being more specific about it but for the sake of time I think this is the best way to do it um chapter 13 in the mech's control room Korra and Kuvira fight one another Meanwhile, Team Avatar begin to take the giant apart from the inside. I want to say just the reveal of the robot and the and and just what was going to happen to the city was jaw dropping. And the way that the sound effects kind of bring you in, it's just like, I mean, it's the straight up, it's the the spirit cannon. It is, it's like you're done. It doesn't matter what's in front of it, you're done. Um, it just blasts through the entire town uh, and through the entire city of Republic City. So um, when they're trying to take it down, I'm glad that this is a smart enough show to say, all right, why can't we just, you know, metal bend this shit? And so they, I think they say it's like platinum or something like that, and they can't bend platinum of some sort. I, I don't remember exactly the reasoning, but um, yeah, I was, uh, uh, I was surprised. To see that they were going as far as saying, you know, why can't we bend it? They're smart to say, let's try this or let's not try this or at least a one line explanation. So they team Avatar begin to take the giant apart from the inside. Su Yin and Lin disable its arm and weapon and Bolin, Mako detonate its power source. With Mako rising and nearly losing his life to blow the Colossus into pieces. Um, I love this this part with Mako nearly losing his life. It's very uh, cinematic in a way that you feel like this is probably, this easily could be his last time. And I don't remember if his arm is in a sling at the end, but uh, is, like I said, it's been like two or three months since I've watched this, and I just really have been too busy to record this, and so I'm just trying to get it out. I, I don't remember exactly what happened to his arm, but um, I do remember. I think he was in a sling. I don't think he loses his arm. Um, so Mako risking and nearly losing his life to blow the Colossus into pieces. Korra uh, and Kruvir crash land in the city's spirit wilds. I will say the fight between Korra and Kruvir is so awesome when they're fighting in the head of the robot and they have all these like pieces of liquid metal that are flying all over the place. It's easily some of the best fighting I've seen in not only this series... But in a lot of animated series, not only just uh, anim animated uh, American animated series, but it, it's pretty good for even matching up to like Japanese animation, in my opinion. Um, anime. 
So they crash land in the spirit wilds, and Kuvira activates the discarded cannon, triggering a staggering and self-sustaining release of energy empowered, energy powered by the vines surrounding them, leaping to block the beam of of the weapon from annihilating Kuvira. Kuvira, sorry, uh, Kuvira. Korra enters the Avatar state and channels the massive outpouring outpouring of energy redirecting it and miraculously creating a third portal into the spirit world um i did find this pretty interesting in the way that this is like uh, you know the immovable object meets the unstoppable force and i do feel like a little bit that we weren't given a hundred percent the best avatar state stuff in this season uh, the best Avatar state, I would say, was in Season 3, in my personal opinion. I don't know if everyone's going to uh, agree with this, but I just felt like Season 3 was like the epitome of the Avatar state um, and kind of finding that euphoria. But also, like, it felt like Season 2 was like the biggest low you could have. So this, it was like... Season one was a status quo. Season two was bringing it to its low. Season three was bringing it to its high. Season four is like bringing it to its conclusion. But I really felt like I could have gone a little bit more and I could have had a little bit more Avatar stateness. I felt like because it was so on and off and so easy for her to go into it that when she doesn't have it, it's like, wow, she's it's a lot more difficult for her, which, you know. Makes for a little bit more better of a fight, I guess. Um, so they create a third portal into the spirit world. I do like how when they're destroying the spirit wilds that all of the spirits begin to disappear. And it's kind of sad. It's like they wanted them to leave for so long and then they start to leave. I think it's like episode 10 or 11 or something like that. And it's like, oh, no, don't don't leave like that. I mean, we we didn't want you in the middle of the road, but we didn't want you to just, like, get up and disappear. It was like, well, what's happening to him? And so, uh, oh, and I, I've watched Spirited Away since this, and I can definitely see some uh, similarities from that movie influenced into what this Avatar spirit world is. Um uh, go to uh, the Patreon for Look It Up podcast, and you can listen to the entire Spirited Spirited Away uh, movie review. Um, we have the non-spoiler section available for free as well in um, the regular feed. So, emerging into the spirit world, Kuvira and Korra commiserate over their hardships and the mistakes they have made. Kuvira concedes defeat in a and is arrested upon returning to the physical world. Weeks later, at Julie and Varric's wedding, I okay. So I, I do want to talk about uh, Julie and Varric. They have an entire subplot through this season that basically took all of the lines that were the or the time that would have been for like Tenzin or any of the uh, Aang's kids to talk really went to Varric and Julie. I was very surprised that they were going to give these people or that these they give these uh, supporting characters that much time, which makes it feel like there aren't that many supporting characters. It's a, it's an ensemble cast. I mean, everybody's a, a supporting character and a main character, if you know what I mean. These writers did an amazing job bringing the... Uh, Julie and Varric 
as uh, as real people. I I enjoyed the hell out of this, honestly. Um, Varric still is an asshole, and he he almost tries to kill him and Bolin even after after they tried to escape from um, uh, what was it Kuvira and whatnot. I I just thought that um, the execution of them was was really was really impressive. Um, who else do we hear? Oh, oh, Batar Jr. I think that was uh, the other person that they were uh, running away from. But the whole little subplot with Varric and Bolin, hilarious. The thing about this series was it was always excellent with uh, balancing. It was always excellent with balancing an amazing story, uh, beautiful visuals. It was funny at times. It would make you... Uh, you know, maybe tear up a little bit here and there. And it really did feel like there was uh, a balance of all of these things really working on all cylinders. It's it's a strong show, and you can see how these people um, have become even more successful since then. Um, so, yeah, that, like having supporting characters like Julie and Varric, having uh, the ups and downs, them being nothing character, almost to nothing characters, at, at least... Uh, Julie was a nothing character, I think, what was it, season two or season three? And she was a joke. And she, they write her into the story by season four as a solidified character. Now, I don't know if that's a, a good relationship they got right there. They definitely have some sort of uh, issues going on. But overall, I think we're supposed to enjoy what, what their uh, relationship has come to. And uh, I think ultimately we have. Um and it's a beautiful little uh, wedding at the end. And I love how I think they have like Varric saying, hey, the camera's supposed to be on me, asshole. It's like he's such a conceited ass. Um, but we'll, I guess they'll figure that out, hopefully. Um, Wu announces his intent to abdicate in favor of de democratic Earth states. Um, let me just talk about Wu. I love the voice acting on Wu. He was very uh, Disney is what I would call um, this character, he felt so much more animated and almost like the frames per second was higher on him. I'm not exactly sure what it was, but he just felt like a different character from a different world. And he was a interesting energy to have in Korra season four that uh, I, I enjoyed. And even with his little terrible singing at the end with the, the mole rats and saving the people, I like how he has like a come up, cup of, come up at the end that uh, makes him feel like a a fleshed out character like everyone kind of did accomplish something um yeah Wu announces a, intends to abdicate in favor of democratic earth states Korra and Asami plan a trip together to the spirit world and the last scenes of the series the two walk hand in hand into the new spirit world now I think that everyone agrees that this last uh this last little uh scene is almost uh series breaking in a way I hadn't even given thought to that uh, Korra and Kuvira, sorry, Korra and uh, Asami would ever become some sort of item. I thought that they were always just shy of just being really great girlfriends. And when they kind of do some longing um, shots and, and, and stuff like that that resembled what Aang and um, Katara were going through at the end of their series... I was like, oh my goodness. I was very, uh, I was taken off guard and I 
my heart was just like full ten times, you know. It's it's Christmas time, so I'm having to do the uh, the Grinch stuff, you know. So yeah, my heart grew ten times when I saw that. I was just uh, floored. I was like, wait a second, they are going with a uh, a romantic uh, relationship. This is no longer a friendship. And obviously, it, if you're a, a child. You're just like, okay, they're holding hands. It's not really thinking that much. But depending on what age you are, you could really read into this and just see this uh, animation that is defying a new moment in time for what we are used to seeing on television and stuff like that. I know that uh, this was in 2014, and so it was probably produced in 2013 at least. And so... um, just with having all of that, that, you know, seven years ago at this point when we've uh, watched this, I was just floored, absolutely floored. I loved it. Now, before I talk about anything else about this, um, good or bad, obviously, I think the entire series is phenomenal. It's definitely absolutely worth watching. If for some reason you listen to this and you're like, oh my gosh, I just heard the entire thing and didn't even watch it, go back and watch it. It's nothing that nothing I could have said would suffice to say that it was, uh, you know, not worth your time. This is absolutely worth your time. I want to go see more stuff that these people have done. Um, I think Michael and Brian, um, what have what have they been doing recently? Um, they're both. Uh, let me see. So Brian is doing. Um, I don't know what John Terberic is. I don't know what that is, honestly. Um, uh, revealed that he and with. Okay, so the only thing that I can really see that him and Brian, sorry, Brian and Michael have done recently is in on August. They said that they were leaving Netflix on the. Uh, live action series that was supposed to be based on the last airbender so i'm a little concerned about that i'm not sure if this is going to be nearly as good without these guys i think they really you know they know what they're talking about and they have you know like i said great balance um and so yeah i don't know they left the project and it looks like adventures in wonder park was the last thing that um michael was on and i'm not sure if that really did that great to be honest I can't believe that's that's what he went to. This doesn't even look like anything like they have uh, produced before. But um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'll I'll keep an eye on them. See if they do anything that I really am enjoying. I didn't realize that uh, uh, these are the, these guys have worked on, or at least Brian worked on. Uh, sorry, Michael worked on Family Guy a little bit, which is probably interesting to see what kind of uh, Family Guy episodes he's directed. I haven't. I, I was not expecting to see that although there's like a bajillion episodes of fucking family guy my lord um yeah talk about royalty checks my lanta so anyways yeah i absolutely love this show check it out if you haven't if you like all this type of stuff and you haven't seen the last airbender go ahead and check last the last airbender and we did the reviews on all the seasons on those let me know how I can improve. Let me know on on the podcast. Let me know what you thought about uh, The Legend of Korra Season 4 and the series as a whole. Did it, did it hold up for you? Did you love it as much as I did? Um, 
what things uh, were you more critical on? I'm trying to think of anything more critical on. I would have said just have a little bit more of Aang's kids in there. I felt like they were a little cut short shrift. But um, I I thought the pacing in this was you know pretty well done. I will say there was one episode, if I remember correctly, that just felt like it was a flashback episode. And it was just showing all of these different uh, perspectives of what have happened over the last couple seasons from different perspectives. And I understand that they would do that only because they're saving they're trying to save some money and kind of pad out the time a little bit honestly uh you know i don't think every season has to be the same episode length if the story doesn't suffice being a full 13 then just make it 12 but um you know i don't know the, the thing is um it, it's not a perfect season to be honest but uh it still was it's very heartwarming and uh you know that last scene um it's just uh, Wiki says it's uh, becoming in the last series shot intended to become intended to show Asami and Korra becoming a romantic couple as seen pushing the boundaries of LBG, LGBT representation in children's television. It's just, uh, you know, they're they're making history with this. And so, uh, yeah, I think one of the uh, podcasts I'm going to recommend is the one with uh, Screen Crush's Matt Patches and Joanna Robinson and uh, Devendra Har- Hardwar. Um, they're they're fun to listen to, and uh, they are uh, really knowledgeable on the series. They do like a, a play-by-play for all of the episodes, and uh, I, I just really enjoyed it. So I'll be sure to link that in the description, um, a little bit more thorough than what my reviews are. So, But if you like my reviews, let me know how I can improve. Let me know. Um, the television shows that you were um, you're interested in, and maybe I'll be able to re- uh, uh, review a couple of those. Um, to support the podcast, please go to Patreon slash patreon.com slash Lucky Doll Podcast. Um, to get this live, go on Twitch. To get it early, go on YouTube, Patreon. To get it mastered, get it on SoundCloud. There's many ways that you can listen to the Lucky Doll Podcast and, and support the podcast to keep us going, keep us fueled up um, and in the avatar state. You know, when we get these uh, uh, things coming in, we'll be definitely in the avatar state, always improving on the podcast, if you know what I mean. So, Thank you for listening, watching Look It All Podcast. Be sure to uh, rate, share, subscribe, do what you can to do five stars on iTunes. Um, And yeah, thank you for listening, watching Look It All Podcast. Take it easy. And there can always be more oppa. I got to say, I I feel like the last thing I always think about is like, like oppa and Momo. What was it? Naga? Yeah, they... These animals in this series, to be honest, that that might have been the the biggest misfire. I do, the not having more oppa, but I will see what did we get. We got the snotty, uh, the snotty oppa. I, I guess that'll have to suffice. That well, snotty oppa. Uh, I forgot what her name was. It was. Uh, I remember it was Oogie. This is future Elias. Ignore me. <laughs> Opals, Opals uh, oppa, but uh, I can't find it anywhere. But um, I'll let y'all put that in the comments but yeah uh snotty oppa yip yip